This is the Roden Fellows Podcast. Capital One is a proud partner of the Roden Fellows Program, which provides opportunities to aspiring sports journalists from historically Black colleges and universities to produce content, including this podcast, throughout the year. Capital One supports this program as part of their larger commitment to the advancement of students from HBCUs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode with the sixth class of ESPN's Anscapes, Roden Fellows. I'm your host, Alexis Black, a multimedia journalism student hailing from the illustrious North Carolina Agricultural no, and Technical Here we go. University, home of the Aggies. Today, God. I had the pleasure of being joined by my fellows to kick off the podcast, and we will start off by introducing ourselves first with Zoe. Hi, everyone. I'm Zoe Hodge. I'm a third-year strategic communications major on the pre-law track from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I attend Hampton University. Hello, all. My name is J.C. Christian. I go to the Alabama State University, the school of the South. You already know. I'm a mass communications major at Alabama State University. Hi, everybody. I am Pam Rents, a fourth-year broadcast journalism student with a minor in African-American studies, from Water of Maryland, and I go to the Florida A&M University. Hello, everyone. My name is Monet Heath. I am a senior journalism major, sports administration minor at Howard University from Detroit, Michigan. Hello, everyone. My name is Scott Lipscomb. I'm from Bowie, Maryland. I attend the Xavier University of Louisiana, and I will be producing this podcast today. Thank you, guys. And we are also joined here from Mr. Roden, the wonderful Mr. Roden. And he is here with us today. We want to thank him so much since we've been here from the summer. He's been working with us very closely to make sure that we have gained the perfect experience being with as a Roden fellow. Yeah. Everybody, let me just ask you all something. You know, yeah. like everybody, the this, the AAT, <laughs> The reason why Morgan State is so is so solid is that we don't say anything. I'm I'm Bill Rowe from Morgan State University, not the Morgan State University, just Morgan State University. We just Morgan just gets it done, you know. Not A and T, you know, with the glitz and glamour. Not Hampton with all this. Not our big brothers up north, Howard. Just Morgan State University. Anyway, if you're not the number one public HBCU, just say that, Mr. Roden. Or yeah, the largest you know in the you know, what? you know, I don't have to say it. Everybody knows it. But anyway, we, 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 we won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> what I will say is that it's really um, a pleasure to welcome in class six. You guys are outstanding. Uh, this is the sixth class of Roden Fellows. And I'm so happy and, and proud to, um, you know, be, be, you know, this is our, I think this is our sixth, actually, podcast. So you guys are not only the sixth class of fellows, but um, this is our sixth uh, podcast. So I'm very, very, very excited uh, to have, you know, to be part of this. Uh, just, just just, really briefly, because I know we have a lot of stuff to talk about. And uh, I know, Alexis, you know, you're, you're the hostess with the most, so I want to turn this back to you. But um, this, the idea for the Roden Fellows started uh, maybe about six six years ago, after I left the New York Times and joined what was then called The Undefeated, um, I was asked by ESPN executive um, about what I want my legacy to be. 
And I never really thought about that. I just thought about getting the work done. What was the next column to write? What was the next story? But I never thought about legacy. And as we talked about it, one of my legacies, or one of the things that is passionate, a passion for me is having talented young HBCU students from HBCUs like me uh, to um, get in the, the pipeline, to get into this wonderful field called journalism. And we talked about what's the best way to do that. And we said, well, what about every year establishing a, uh, a fellowship for talented young black journalists, aspiring journalists, and give them uh, an opportunity to write for what was then called the Undefeated, which is now Anscape. And um, it's turned out great. Every year we got more and more applicants. And I think uh, in, in your your class, I think that we were almost up to something 200 uh, applicants. And you six were the needles in the haystack that we found to um, carry on this tradition. So um, again, you guys are part of an illustrious footprint and uh, so happy to be working with you and looking forward to more podcasts to come. Uh, I know we've got a, a, a lot to talk about, so let me turn this uh, over to our host, the Alexis Black from the uh, North Carolina A&T State University. Right? Thank you, Mr. Roden. Okay, so after a summer in D.C., we've probably been on our campuses for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, at our wonderful HBCUs. How has everyone been feeling back on campus? Like, what has it been like so far? Uh, you know, I'll go ahead and start off. The vibes are definitely different here at Hampton University. You know, we got our new president. Um, we've seen a lot of changes on campus, and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how those grow and cultivate over the course of the semester. So everything's been looking pretty good for me on my HBCU campus. How about you, JC? Um, it hits different when you're a senior. Let me start there. I know everybody here, except for you. So you, you'll feel it next year. You'll feel it coming up Dang. soon. But, you know, <laughs> it's different when you're a senior. You come back to your campus. You've been here like three, almost four years. It just hits different. Like it's a different remodel. Uh, same president. Everything's pretty much the same. We have different remodels and everything. But, you know, for the most part, it's, uh, it's pretty good being back uh, for the last year. You know, it's just a great feeling. This is Pam from FAMU. I would say that things are going pretty well. I know what everybody wants to think about um, the FAMU athletics. However, we now have three finalists for a new athletic director. So things are looking up. You know, it was a slow trudge. But, you know, now that things are getting rolling, we're going into like our sixth week of school I'm enjoying myself. I'm using every day to work and get better. And I'm excited for the rest of the fall. Um, this is Monet from Howard. Um, so a lot has been just going on on campus. Um, I'm currently taking online classes, so I haven't been able to experience everything going on. But um, Howard recently partnered up with Jordan. So students have been receiving a lot of free merch. Um, the band and the um, athletic programs also got free Howard uh, customized Jordans, so that was cool. So it's been interesting just to see, you know, all of the things that's been going on at Howard so far. 
It's Scott. It's been good as Xavier. Um, no hurricanes this year. So last year around this time, we've been out of school for two weeks. So it was great to be back on campus, just be able to enjoy New Orleans. Um, I'm kind of one of the seniors in our media department. So it's nice to be able to come back and just, you know, get things kicked off. I'm excited to see where this school year goes and just enjoy no hurricanes. <laughs> and I wanted to, this is Alexis, I wanted to piggyback off of JC. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm in my senior year. I can't believe it. I'm not ready to going to the big world, just thinking about it. And I'm an athlete right now. I cheer for A&T's program, cheerleading program. And it's football season right now, so it's just a lot going on. I only get Sundays off, so just adjusting to that schedule and just I'm excited for football season. And next, my next question for everyone is, um, what was the highlight of your summer and this fellowship, starting with Zoe? Um, I would say just being able to come down to like DC. DC is a like a hub, especially for like young black people, creatives, journalists, whatever it be, may be. A lot of young black people are coming to DC. So just to be able to like actually be in that space and get away from my hometown in Charlotte, North Carolina, and just get a different scenery. I think that was like my overall highlight of just this opportunity being presented to me to at least even just be able to come out here. Um, we also got to do a lot of different things with Mr. Roden. Um, I'm sure some of the other, my other fellows can attest to that. So I would just say my whole like experience and just being able to come out to DC was really the highlight of my summer. Hey, JC here. Uh, Zoe, you really stole my answer. I can't lie, but honestly, you know, coming from the South, coming all the way up to DC was just a different vibe. Um, you know, I've always been, like, out west, so I've seen, like, Vegas, but actually been going up north and seeing D.C. for the first time because you always hear about it. It was just something different that, you know, everybody can say that they've done. So, you know, being in a place where there's a whole different culture, you know, everybody's about power in uh, in D.C., you know, and especially hanging out with Mr. Roden, you know, you got to pretty much – see his net worth and kind of put us in that spotlight, you know, going to NFL camps and, you know, meeting, you know, billionaires like Sheila Johnson was just something different that, you know, you would never pretty much do on an everyday thing. And, you know, I'm going to leave a little bit, you know, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave a little something else for other people to say about it because I don't want to take all the answers. So I'm going to pass it to Pam. Pam here. Even though I got to travel to, Ghana, Africa this summer, uh, which was an amazing cultural experience. I would definitely have to say my favorite day of this summer was the last day that we spent um, with Mr. Roden in D.C. We got to go to the uh, Baltimore Ravens training camp. We got to speak with um, Anthony Levine for like an hour. He had a really touching story about how you got to work hard every day because somebody's trying to take your place and it's not about what you did yesterday or last week, but you always got to push forward. I've really been applying that to my life um, here back on campus. But I said it's my favorite day because I don't know, it was just so wholesome. We were in the car with Mr. Roden. We were singing uh, American Girl. We were, we were going and we were um, looking at Morgan State University, which is, which is his alma mater. And we really got to bond and talk about our um, our aspirations after college. And I don't think I've ever had this connection with um, a professional group before, like a professional work environment before. 
And it's just so happy. I'm just so happy to be here with y'all because y'all are really cool. Uh, this is Monet. So um, I definitely think the highlight of my summer was the first visit to the Anscape office. Um, it was definitely like a surreal moment. Like I'm finally here. I'm getting to see the other fellows face to face finally and not um, over a screen it was definitely nice. So it was just good to be in that environment, see um, where all of the other people that have been helping us um, where they worked, where we were able to go for the summer. Um, I know we also had lunch that day um, with the fellows. The lunch was pretty good. And um, it was just a good experience. And it was just a great feeling after all of the applications and um, interviews and things like that, being at the space that um, where Anscape is. So that was wonderful. This is Zoe again. I just wanted to kind of chime in. You guys got my memory jogging about all the good and fun stuff we did this summer. I really wanted to highlight um, being able to shadow log in, being on the actual set and like seeing how, uh, you know, everything is produced, the behind the scenes, pre-production, uh, actual producing of the show and then post-production and how it gets edited and whatnot. And um, being able to closely network with Sheila um, Matthews was awesome. Um, she's one of the hosts on the show. So just being able to be in the same space as people doing really amazing things was a great highlight for me this summer too. Hey, this is Scott here. Yeah, just to piggyback off of that again, I think, um, what Pam said about meeting just a great group of people, I think it's been cool not only to meet people who want to do something similar to what I do in the sports field, but also, again, all coming from HBCUs. I think that's been a great experience just to meet people like-minded and also different at the same time. That's been a really great experience. And then, um, like Zoe said, being able to shadow certain things, that's been amazing. Um, got to meet Ms. Sheila Johnson. I think that was really cool, not just because of what she does with the Mystics, but who she was as a person and getting to know that. I think that was amazing. But most of all, I think, I'm not going to lie, my highlight of the summer was definitely going to the commander's camp, um, meeting Ms. Julie Donaldson. That was truly an amazing experience. She's really become a great connection. Um, she actually um, stays in touch with me. So I just, again, meeting all those professional people, just how welcoming they are, being able to see um, this experience of sports media. I think it's been amazing. And, you know, again, thank you, Mr. Roden. This has been a cool, it's been a cool thing. I've, I've really enjoyed this experience. I actually had the opportunity to go to the NABJ convention in Las Vegas. And it was amazing. I just, it was just so many journalists in one space. And it was just so, I, I can't even describe it, but just being able to make connections. I talked to Monica McNutt, L. Duncan, anybody in the sports realm was everybody was there. And just being able to make those connections and meet students just like me who are trying to get into journalism was really I really enjoyed the experience. It was extremely hot. I loved it. But that was very much my highlight of the summer. Mr. Roden, what was your highlight of the summer? Uh, you guys, uh, I must tell you. <laughs> I had so much fun. You know, uh, Alexis, we haven't had to hang out yet. Uh, Monet, we haven't had a chance to hang out. But I must tell you, I had so much fun hanging out with the four Roden Fellows in those four or five days we spent in D.C. That I just had a ball being with you guys. Your enthusiasm was contagious. And I must tell you, you know, uh, I kind of make it a, a trip. You know, we'll be in the car. And I think we all share a love of music, even though it's sort of generational. And that trip we took, uh, I forget where we going to DC and Baltimore. And uh, I gave you guys like a, a musical quiz. We came up with, with, with music and you each chose a piece of music and why it was important to you. And we went around the car. And I think it was, Pam, you guys made a playlist because I played that playlist that you guys created. 
And my daughter and her friends had not heard a lot of the music. And they were like, this is pretty hip. So uh, taking you guys to the Ravens camp, the uh, commander's camp, and also going to the Nationals game. Well, I don't know if you guys remember, I made you guys score the game. And um, you guys did a really good job of scoring a baseball game. So anyway, I just want to say that that was, that was so much fun for me. And I really appreciated your zeal and your enthusiasm and just your personalities. Got a chance to tap into your personalities. So I'm really looking forward to the year ahead. As, as fun as what we did was cool, again, uh, just thank you guys for indulging me in my little idiosyncrasies and stuff like that. But uh, you were great to work with, fun to work with. So Alexis Black, back to you. <laughs> so next we're going to transition into the importance of HBCUs. Oftentimes, you know, HBCUs are overlooked and, you know, PWIs, are, they try to have the comparison and we kind of want to look more into that. And Mr. Rona, I actually want to hear from you going to Morgan State. Why did you choose that school? And we're really going to just ask everybody that. So everybody's going to go around and answer why we all chose our respective HBC. Yeah, I'm really look, looking forward to hearing why you guys chose. Morgan chose me, uh, you know, and I, I think back on it. And and every time I think about my experience with Morgan, I know four of us went on, on Morgan's campus. And I just thank God, you know, every day when I think about my experience with Morgan, thank you so much for sending me there. Uh, you know, I went there to play football and it, it was a life change. You know, I, I guess we'll talk about this. Sometimes places or things who change the trajectory of your life. And Morgan really changed the trajectory of my life. Um, when I got to Morgan, I, you know, I played football in high school and I got a scholarship to go to Morgan. And my high school team, football team, won two games every year. That was what we did. We won two games every year. And when I got to Morgan, they had not lost a game in three years. There, there are people who are on the team who didn't even know what it was like to lose. And I must tell you that that gave me a sense of confidence, not just in, in football, but in life, of what it, what it felt like to expect to win. It gave me a sense of confidence. It gave me, uh, you know, it, was just, it just changed the whole trajectory of my life. So when you ask Alexis, why did I choose Morgan? I think about it. Morgan chose me. Uh, but I'm, I'm really curious to find out from you guys, you know, many of you are like 50 years younger or more, you know, why you guys chose your respective schools. So for me, I kind of feel the same way. Like Hampton kind of chose me as a senior in high school. I was invited um, to come out for honors visitation, which is a program that Hampton University hosts for high school seniors um, who are excelling or exceeding in high school. And pretty much, you know, when when you come to this program that you're going to walk away with the scholarship, um, everyone's scholarship varies. But um, you just kind of get to come out and experience campus and college life for a minimum of three days. And I came here for a tour initially and they invited me to that. So I came out and gave it a chance, even though it was like five hours away or we're not, um, gave it a chance. It was an opportunity for my parents to get to know the campus as well. Um, and I think they definitely like sold me on the experience, being able to see like how college was here and just seeing other people who look like me who are doing great things. And then also like the network after you graduate, like seeing all the great Hampton University graduates um, 
doing great things, whether it's, you know, going to grad school or um, six figure job offers straight out of college. Like you see a lot of that here in Hampton. So I think just being able to be exposed to that as a high school senior kind of sold me on my HBCU. Hey, JC here, but um, not to keep the chain going, but I feel like uh, ASU kind of chose me as well as a senior. Uh, you know, I played football almost all four years of my uh, high school experience, and I was going to walk on at Alabama State, but, you know, I just, I don't know, I was more so on the academic side, but when I remember it pretty much like yesterday, you know, the recruiter came down to my school, and they were pretty much like, we're going to bring Alabama State to you. You know, we're in the auditorium, we're doing swag and surf, you know, I'm like, okay, okay, they lit, they lit. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, you know, at this point, if I can get a scholarship, I'm going because I was like, I didn't have any football offers, but at the same time, I had like a few academic offers. So, yeah, they gave me a scholarship. They gave me a partial scholarship, which was the most that I've had. So I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go there just because I've always grew up watching the classic, you know, them playing A&M all the time. And I was an A&M fan until, you know, I started paying a little bit more attention to Alabama State. The personality there is just different. It's a different culture. And it's just a lot that you can learn. Like, I, like the principal. And my old high school is pretty much was one of the chairmen here at Alabama State. And, you know, in my senior year, you know, he persuaded me to go to Parker High School. He persuaded me. He was like, hey, you know, I need you to go to state. And I was like, you know, at first I was like, state? Um, I don't know. I was thinking local because I, I didn't want to move so far away from home. So it was just like, you know, he kind of persuaded me. He was like, hey, state is the way to go. And I was like, okay. So I didn't take a visit. I just hopped in, you know, I took the risk. I was like, hey, HBCU seemed pretty lit. A lot of people talk about HBCUs. I just want to see what the culture's like. The personality is there. And a lot of people that graduate from Alabama State usually come back and work for the university in a better way. They bring more light to Alabama State. It's just uh, it's just something that you just have to be here to see. And especially with everything going on in the SWAC, it's just Alabama State is one of those things that brings more light to the SWAC period. And, you know, honestly, that's one of the main reasons why I chose out of one mistake or came here. My answer is a bit different. I really was not interested in going to FAMU or any HBCU at that. I was actually interested um, in attending more so PWIs. Um, I only was refuting HBCUs because my I, have a, I come from a long line of Rattlers and a long line of FAMU um, alumni. And being a defiant teenager, I was like, I'm not going to go because y'all want me to go with no real reason other than that. But my father, he told me I, I was it was the summer I was 15 years old. He was like, if you go to the Marching 100 band camp, they do a summer band camp for the high schoolers. I was in band. I was a band head for most of my um, life from like when I was 10 years old. He was like, if you go and you don't like it, I'll leave you alone about the band stuff. I'll leave you alone about FAMU. We won't have to talk about it ever again. Just go. It's a week long, but I know you'll love it. So I packed my things and I went and I absolutely loved it. I went every single year of high school and it wasn't a thing of like, I really want to go and be like a band icon or I only want to go for their band. I just saw how proud they were of their university like I never seen so many people be enthralled with 
the campus life, be enthralled with the history. Like they wanted to tell you, they wanted to be there. They wanted to be there for, for the way the campus looked. They wanted to be there for their fam, their new family that we call it. It was a family that I felt like I was a part of and I wasn't really a part of it. And I knew right then it was no other question. I did apply to other universities, but it was it was a done deal at 15. I was going to FAMU and there was nothing to it. I hated to prove my dad right, but that was one thing I had to give him. I had to give him his flowers. Okay, so my whole HBCU story starts like in middle school. So um, I had a cousin, her name is Aaliyah. She was getting prepared to leave for college and the day that she was leaving, um, I cried because I wanted to go with her so bad. So because I was so persistent on going, they literally let me go. I had to hurry up, go home and grab clothes the day of. And um, I feel like that was just meant to happen because my cousin went to Clark Atlanta. And um, that was the first time that I ever heard of a HBCU or saw a HBCU. So there was just students outside hanging out grilling things like that and I was like this is not like what I'm used to seeing like on tv and things like that when I see college so I really just from that moment I knew I was like I want to go to an HBCU and seeing her do things like becoming Miss Clark Atlanta pledging and things like that that just got me more into the HBCU culture and I definitely knew that I wanted to go um so in high school I was introduced to the Michigan club at Howard and they do this thing um every year where they send high school students to um, except in students day. So I went my junior year and I was able to stay in one of the Howard dorms with um, a student, was able to attend classes. So just getting that experience, I was like, yeah, Howard is the place for me. And then adding the prestigious alumni that they have, I knew that this was the place that I wanted to go. So um, I was able to go on that trip twice, decided to apply and um, was fortunate enough to get in. And I have been at Howard since to this day. So um, I definitely give all of my credit to my cousin because I probably wouldn't have known what an HBCU was at a young age. So that definitely helped. Scott? Scott here. So, okay, funny story for me. So my mom's side of the family, my grandma, all my great aunts, uncles, they're all Morgan grads. My mom um, is a Hampton undergrad grad my, and then a Howard for um, grad school. My dad went to a PWI for undergrad and then went to Howard for dental school. Um, my cousins went to Clark in Savannah State. So HBCU are definitely in my family. But surprisingly enough, I actually, um, Xavier actually wasn't on my list until maybe two months, two, three months before decision day. Um, I kind of wanted to do something different. So like where I'm from in Maryland, everyone kind of goes to Howard, Bowie State, Morgan. I was like, you know, I don't really want to do that. I want to be different. I want to be someone else. So my number one choice was actually Duke. Um, but after kind of just reviewing kind of what I wanted to do in life and then just some other things, especially the cost. Um, you know, I was like, okay, let me look at some other options. I went for a tour of Xavier and that really sold me like the family environment of HBCU is something that I think, you know, really called me out more than anything else. Like, of course, the academics here are great, but that family environment was really nice. And then coming from PG, where it is a lot of black people, you know, I was like, okay, I want to see my brothers and sisters one more time. You know, I, I can do this again. So, yeah, I, but I definitely love my HBCU and <laughs> we're the best. I mean, we have me at the HBCU, so I'm not going to say too much about that. Well, I want to tell you guys why I chose the number one HBCU in the nation. Oh, um, yeah. I <laughs> I kind of was in the same situation as Pam. I was debating going to NC State, PWI, and AT, and I went like I took a weekend to go, and I was like, what? Like it's just two different worlds. Like you look at a PWI, you look at HBCU. The PWI is so much bigger. So it's very diverse. 
And then you go to the HBCU and you see all of your people. And I grew up in PG, so I've always been around my people. And my mom was like, you know, like I know you'll feel more at home here. You'll be more comfortable. And if you compare the cheerleading teams, I know you want to shake a little bit. So <laughs> that was really what led me to that. I went to a football game and I was like, yes, I definitely had to experience this. And just the whole family aspect, like everybody wants you to be great at your HBCU. Everybody wants you to see you succeed and they'll do anything to help you. And that's really the biggest part about me going to my HBCU. May I just say one thing? Mm -hmm. And I tell this every year of the six years that we've had the fellowship, we always have an A&T Aggie. Remember, I started my little spiel by saying that when I went to Morgan, we have the longest winning streak in the country. So we, we beat Grambling Yankee Stadium. We kept winning, kept winning. Then we went to A&T. Mm-hmm. I, I am this naive, I think I was 18 years old. I never knew what it was like to be cheated. And so we went mm-hmm. to A&T with this great winning streak and we lost the game seven to six. And I swear, we must have had to score three times. Every time we scored, holding or the guy <laughs> knee touched the ground. And I'm like, looking, I can't believe this. So, <laughs> Game, A&T broke our winning streak. And ever since then, whenever somebody says they went to a and I'm like, ah. So for you guys, so A&T Aggies to be in the program, you really got to be exceptional. So anyway, I'll turn it back to you. Like, so I, just, <laughs> I just had to tell a story about the great A&T State University. And I would actually like to say that our football team is looking a little questionable this year, but high hopes. I believe in us. I believe that we will make a change. So enough about that. Actually here with Mia Berry, who covers HBCU athletics and HBCU culture for Anscape. Mia. Hi, Alexis. Hi. Hi, everyone. Happy to be here. Also, congrats to you for graduating from Notre Dame despite the pandemic. Can you give us insight on what that was like? Uh, Wow. That is a very great question to start. I will say it's a little, it was very rough. You know, you're going from an environment where you're surrounded by all your friends, you're seeing their faces. You know, after class, you can hang out, you can go to the dining hall to we're all staring at a computer screen. And I think that was probably the first time in my educational experience. I'm like, man, 20, 21 credits is a lot of classes. Like once you sit in front of a computer screen for six hours straight, you're like, oh, wow. I don't know why I did this to myself. When I was in person, you know, running around campus, it didn't feel that bad. But sitting, it was, and it was kind of, you know, you miss everything about it. I remember my last few moments on campus, I was thinking, thank God I'm going home for spring break. Senioritis is kicking my butt. I need a break before graduation. And then that break kind of, it was extended. So looking back on it, it kind of made me appreciate the moments when I was on campus, when I was around my friends, even if school classes life was pretty much taken. It, it was tag teaming me, taking turns, kicking my butt. Uh, we're kind of experiencing that now as we're transitioning back into person. I'm saying, well, my social life and I got to go to class. It's just like I actually had to go sit in class and take a quiz. Like it's just really a big adjustment right now. And you were originally on a pre-med track and then you came to journalism. What made you switch and what advice will you give to people, undergrad and undergrad or just high school, like trying to get where you are currently? Starting off, I, I was and I am, I'm a first generation college graduate. And I just remember growing up thinking, you know, I want to 
be able to be financially well off. I wanted to take care of my family. I wanted to make a difference and impact in my community. And at that time, the thing I, the career I thought would do that for me and hit check all those boxes was pre-med. I thought I wanted to become a pediatrician or an OBGYN, obstetrics and gynecology, like deliver children. So that was, you know, growing up, that was in my head. I took AP bio. I took an organic chemistry class in high school. So I was prepared when I got to school. And then once you kind of get in college, like thanking God, I got into, got accepted into the University of Notre Dame. Excellent science program. I started, I'm like, wow, once you kind of get in the thick of it, you're like, I don't think I enjoy this as much. So I kind of had to reevaluate. I sat back, what do I enjoy doing? And it was, I enjoyed my part-time job working for the athletic department. I enjoyed writing for the student newspaper, The Observer. I enjoyed communicating with people writing. So that was kind of like that hard pill to swallow. It was even harder when you have to kind of make that phone call home to your parents that are working their butts off to pay for your education, telling them, hey, you know, I, you know how I told you I was going to become a doctor and I was going to take care of y'all. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to rearrange that plan a little bit because I think my heart, I think my calling is journalism. And by the grace of God, my mother's like, I could see you doing that anyway. You've been a sports fanatic since you were a little girl. I'm like, oh my God, thank God she's not disowning me. <laughs> <laughs> and once I got like that stamp of approval, life just kind of got easier. I was enjoying everything I did. I was enjoying classes more. I was enjoying learning. So that that was a blessing for me. That's what college and that's what your early 20s is pretty much all about, trying to figure out where you belong and your calling. And my advice for everyone, uh, as cliche as it sounds, find something that you enjoy doing. Find something that you love. Also, don't rush the process to kind of graduate and get into the real world because ooh, the pandemic taught me more than... <laughs> You can imagine like adulting, adulting is not the move at the moment. Enjoy your childhood. Enjoy having your parents paying for everything. And a matter of fact, everyone text your parents, say, hey, I need $20. Don't tell them what you need $20 for. Just say, if you love me, you'll send me $20. Get the free money while you can. <laughs> it's a lot different when you have to go to work for it, I will say. So if you're um, starting from a PWI, how would you say the transition from covering those to HBCU has been? I know you have um, HBCU ties to your younger brother who went to an HBCU. Like, can you tell us more about that? Uh, yes. Yeah, so my brother goes to Central State. It's in Ohio. It's also connected to Wilberforce's campus. So growing up in the Midwest, I will say at least my upbringing, I wasn't too privy to HBCUs just because there aren't too many HBCUs in the Midwest. You primarily find them down south. So my first introduction was really when I had a cousin that went to Howard. So, and I had an aunt that went to Kentucky State. She would be mad if I didn't mention that. And I actually saw their campus and went to her graduation. So growing up Midwest, it's like Michigan, it's Michigan State. Most of my family, we are PWI alums, like Michigan, bleed blue, that's everywhere. I rebelled. I, I'm going to be like Pam. I did rebel. I'm like, I'm not going to Michigan. And my mom's like, okay, here's a box. You're not leaving the Midwest. And then taking a visit to Notre Dame, that inter intertwining academics and faith really sold me. So Notre Dame, I will say, 
I don't know if the numbers have changed so much since then, but back then it was 70% Caucasian. I don't know how much that's skewed since then. It might be more, it might be less, but 70% is still a lot. And then there are, it's a Catholic school. So there are certain things we don't have. We don't have Greek life. People are so amazed when I tell them I went to a school that didn't have any type of divine nine, no Greek life, none of that. So going from PWI to HBCU, it was a blessing because I remember I did apply to Spelman. I wanted to go to Spelman uh, and out of high school, it just didn't work out that way. You know, the way financials were involved. I'm a very faith-based person. It was like God making everything right. I still got to experience through my work. I still get to experience that HBCU culture. I got to experience HBCU homecomings. Mm-hmm. Go, went to Howard's homecoming. Prayerfully, I can go to a couple more this year. So it was that culture, you know, I don't regret going to Notre Dame. I have an amazing base, met wonderful Black people, Black community there that I'm still in touch with to today. But working with HBCUs, getting to tell those stories, getting to make those familiar connections, it's been amazing. Yes, it's been an adjustment. I will say I'm a year deep in and I'm so, I'm still learning. I still tell people that talking to athletes, if I ask you to explain what this is, don't be mad. Uh, last year, a Roden fellow, Alexis Davis, taught me what Jiho was for my <laughs> A&T people out there. I'm like, what's Jiho? And then I'm like, okay, hey, I'm taking notes. You know, you feel like that kid that's just taking notes, learning. So it's been a, it's been an amazing process. Lately, I saw you've been covering uh, FAMU athletics, and Pam, you can chime in too. Um, with the issues regarding football, like, do you have an update on what may what is happening right now regarding the football team and what else we should be watching out for for the future? The great thing about FAMU, it's like going into that Orange Blossom Classic against Jackson State. They had a lot of eligibility issues, 26 players ineligible, but communicating with the players and their sports information director, you learned that most of it was clerical errors. You know, stuff hadn't been entered correctly. Not all the information was up to date. So majority of those players were able to compete, including Isaiah Land. He won the Buck Buchanan Award. So he was a pretty important piece for that Rattler defense, was able to come back. To my knowledge, they might have only a handful of guys out, definitely not the 26 guys that couldn't compete against UNC. But I think maybe three or four. It's not the first time that's happened for them. A couple years back, they had a couple players also ineligible. But, you know, this time... The players made, you know, they made kind of their grievances known. They wrote a letter. They kind of put it out there and just talking to FAMU. They're in the process of hiring a new athletic director. They seem very focused and very, uh, they seem very focused. They're making sure more resources go toward those student athletes. And hopefully they, they have immense faith that this won't be a reoccurring thing for them. And, you know, looking at FAMU still early in the football season. And I'm pretty sure they're very grateful to have majority of those guys back and suiting up for them on Saturdays. Mia basically covered everything. Um, I would just like to add on and say that uh, we did take our first win two Saturdays ago um, at our Bragg Memorial Stadium at home from Albany State. We play again this Saturday. I want to say it's Alabama A&M. But um, I'm having high hopes for the rest of the season. 
the board of trustees is really holding our president, Dr. Robinson, accountable because a lot of things were just brushed off or they were not handled correctly. They were asking for answers. They were asking for solutions and they were given like, this is your own fault. But I think now there's going to be a turnaround with the administration and athletic coordinators really taking accountability for the lives of the students that they said that they wanted to come to their university and play for them. But I really have high hopes for the rest of the season. And I think we can still swing a pretty good record at um, the end of the season. Thank you guys for that. And as we come to a close, I want to make sure the audience knows to get your list ready for all the HBCU homecomings and figure out which ones are you trying to go to for the fall 2022 school year because they're coming up and they're coming up very quickly. I would suggest going to GHO, might I add that, (laughs) from A&T. And that's all for today's episode. To our audience, thank you so much for tuning in for another year of the Fellow Podcast. We'd like to give a very special thanks to Mia Berry for taking the time to be with us and sharing her experience. Extra thanks to Mr. Roden, Parker Owens, and the ESPN Digital Audio Content Team. Get all Roden Fellows Podcast episodes and HBCU podcasts by subscribing to the Anscape Listen tab of the ESPN app. Make sure to join us next time for another HBCU podcast. And don't forget to go on the Anscape website to look at the latest news and insight. See you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. And that's a wrap.